Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, June 29th. It's been a hot few days in the city of Calgary with a heat warning in effect for a large majority of southern Alberta. Getting outside and enjoying the summer heat is one thing, but it can be a serious concern if your work requires you to be outside for long periods of time. We get some hot weather safety tips from Michael Nemeth of the Canadian Red Cross. An Alberta startup company is converting greenhouse gases into sustainable jet fuel. We hear all about this innovative work being done by Sin Bioblocks from CEO John McDougall. And finally, it's our bi-weekly segment with Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker. This time out, a look at how a large event like the Calgary Stampede could have a negative impact on our mental health. We are in the midst of a heat wave and temperatures today expected to be hot once again into the high 20s. And if you're working in the heat, how about some advice to help keep you safe? Michael Nemeth joins us this morning. Michael is a former pre-hospital care provider and master instructor instructor trainer with the Canadian Red Cross. Good morning to you, Michael. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's obvious. It's hot. You need to make sure you're drinking water, etc. But what are some of the biggest risks for those working in the heat that we might not really kind of be cognizant about otherwise? I think the big thing we have to keep in mind is that our body is a machine and is continually generating heat. So unfortunately, when Mother Nature creates the outside atmosphere being extremely hot, our bodies are going to work harder. And the problem you run into is the more we perspire to try and keep uh, our body cool, we're losing valuable uh, electrolytes and sodium and obviously uh, the water itself. And then that sort of changes how our body works and then can actually lead into further medical problems. We just have to sort of stay on top of it. As you said, uh, water is extremely important, but also supplement it with um, uh, energy drinks, um, so similar to, to Gatorade, Powerade, things like that, uh, every now and then because water by itself isn't going to replenish what, we, uh, what we're losing during heat wave and and during sort of the heat crisis that's going on, uh, the extra supplements will help dramatically as well. Michael, something that Sue brought up, and we see them in the neighborhoods, and you got to, you know, uh, make hay while the sun is shining. you got to hop on that roof and get that roofing work done, for example. Talk about the ultimate, um, you know, lack of shade. You're on top of a roof. Uh, if you can talk about the head coverings and, uh, you know, covering your body, because I know a lot of these uh, gentlemen are shirtless because it's so hot, and you can understand why, but uh, the importance of covering. Exactly. Uh, your head is going to be one of the biggest spots that uh, will absorb and attempt to release heat. But obviously, if the sun during the, the key parts of the day, say between 10 in the morning and 2 in the afternoon, it's going to be absorbing a lot of that heat. And unfortunately, the whole body is designed to keep the brain nice and cool. And that's where obviously it is. So a head covering is going to be really important. Something that's light is going to be the big thing. And then you're actually correct, like light clothing, uh, light loose shirt to try and bounce the radiance. Uh, from the sun away uh, and help uh, something that's wicking as well that will help absorb some of the moisture as well is going to be important where you lose those features by having that extra protective barrier. Michael, is there a point and at what point then does it become too hot or it's unsafe to work outside? <clears throat> um, caution is the big thing. Uh, generally, anything that's over uh, 30 degrees Celsius uh, and you're working in that environment, as, as I mentioned, between 10 and 2 are sort of the high points of, of when the sun is. You just have to be a little more cognizant of it. Obviously, there's certain professions. So roofers, as you mentioned, uh, firefighters, paramedics, uh, our roads people, things like that, that unfortunately they have to work during that time. But if they just take their time, uh, slow down uh, how much they're doing rather than saying, let's get things done as fast as we can. Just slowly take the time, take time to hydrate, take time to rest uh, in a cool spot. If there is a breeze that's blowing or in a shaded area, uh, getting your vehicle with the air conditioner going, uh, things like that will help dramatically. 
how do I know that I'm not just, you know, feeling hot and that I really have to remove myself from the outdoors, from the sunshine, or to the next level? How do I know that I need some medical attention from the heat? Uh, the big problem is you will never know that um, because your your body is going to try to climatize to what's going on in the environment. So you just have to make the assumption that, okay, the great people on uh, News Talk Radio and the great people, uh, the weather forecasters say it's going to be extremely hot today. So I need to stay hydrated throughout the day. I need to pre-plan. Uh, now, taking a little bit of a break. Uh, as I start perspiring, replenish fluids. And then if all of a sudden I start getting dizzy or nauseated, uh, start having a headache, you've gone into the stage of now heat exhaustion, and that's where it becomes it's starting to become a little bit more of a medical crisis. Uh, and then that's where it's important to really remove yourself. Um, you know, take sips of water, not big guzzles of water. Um, as I said, electrolyte solutions as well, too, uh, and get in that cool environment. Uh, when you stop perspiring, that heat stroke and that's, uh, that's definitely critical. But uh, if you're starting getting those muscle cramps, that's your body saying, okay, it's enough. But sometimes we second-guess that as something else. Maybe mm-hmm. oh, we're just working outside and I, I twist my leg wrong or something along that line. So it's important if uh, you hear that's going to be a hot day, stay hydrated uh, and just be aware of what your body's doing. And if you're sweating profusely, um, start slowing down and cooling down a little bit. Super important reminders. Thanks so much, Michael. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank Have a you. great day. Michael Nemeth is a master instructor trainer with the Canadian Red Cross. It almost sounds like science fiction, but it's true. An Alberta company is converting greenhouse gas into jet fuel. Joining us to talk about the details is John McDougall, CEO of SynBioBlocks. Good morning to you, John. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about your company, SynBioBlocks, the work that you and your team are doing. Well, we took a look at the fact that greenhouse gases was such a big problem in the world now and that something had to be done and finally realized that tools and capabilities had emerged that let us use biology to do that. And so uh, we build designer organisms that can convert greenhouse gases into useful, valuable things. Incredible. Now, John, is this uh, proprietary to your company? Did you folks create this or is is it being done anywhere else? Well, people have been playing around with synthetic biology for about 25 years now. Uh, but the biggest challenge was that the uh, organism's biology is very complicated. You hear about the genome and genetics. It's uh, So we built uh, digital tools that allow us to do this much faster and quicker. And we're the only people that do what I would call sort of a tailored design process where we specify what we want to do and then we can create it by modifying organisms to do it. Can you break it down for we dummies and and explain to us a designer organism? So what exactly do you mean by that? Well, Mother Nature does all kinds of things. Uh, you know, they uh, her processes are chemistry and physics, basically. Uh, and they uh, convert various molecules and so on into other things. So we grow forests out of the air, basically and uh, other things that come out of the ground. We're saying that there's Mother Nature has organisms that can do just about anything we want. We'll make most or materials or molecules that have carbon, hydrogen in them. And uh, we're just industrializing that process, basically, sort of helping it do it better by cutting and piecing, uh, pasting together different pieces in ways that we need to. 
So when you mention organisms, it does sound, you know, very organic. So can you walk us through the process on how long uh, something like this takes from beginning to, to, to having the product of jet fuel? Yeah. Um, well, let me start by saying it used to take, if you were going to do it in traditional ways, you know, a decade or two to do something like this. Uh, our process involves determining the specific specification we need to achieve. So we look at jet fuel and we say we need a high energy molecule. We need one that uh, uh, will remain liquid at very cold temperatures because they fly up in cold altitudes, has to have certain characteristics that match the engine manufacturer's needs and so on. And then we can take that specification and uh, we can explore what Mother Nature does, uh, find uh, organisms that have capabilities to do uh, some or all of what we want and <clears throat> then modify them to make them more productive and uh, and higher capacity and hopefully cheaper, etc. Uh, so we are moving pieces of genetics, if you like, between organisms and creating new ones that work better and faster. John, we hear lots about AI these days, artificial intelligence. Is that something mm -hmm. that you use within your company at SynBioBlocks? It's fundamental, actually, because, again, these organisms are so complicated. Very simple bacteria has in their genome has what they call a million or more base pairs. You know, we, <clears throat> we human beings have three billion in our code. And so to uh, work with this is almost impossible except by accident if I can then hope and uh, without the advantages of artificial intelligence and machine learning so we built tools that make that very simple uh, they can plow through these organisms and uh, uh, we create visualization tools so that it's it almost becomes uh, like looking in a I guess you would say a box of jigsaw puzzle pieces and uh, and picking the one that you need for the next piece, right? And ultimately, you put them together, and you've got a picture. And in our case, what we've got is an organism that does a particular thing. The the digital tools reduce, um, let's put it a little differently, speed up the process incredibly. We've uh, been doing things that used to take a decade or more, and we're doing it in a few months. Wow. That's what really helps. Another interesting piece uh, down the road, a project that you folks are involved with, which got my attention, uh, grocery prices, price of food, very, very <laughs> expensive. This is something that you folks are trying to tackle as well. Tell us about this. Again, the, the idea is to figure out what we need. So we've got a rapidly growing population still in the world, and we all know about food prices. Uh, ultimately, what we'd like to be producing are nutrients that people require to uh, be able to uh, live successfully and healthily. Uh, and we can produce that nutrient directly rather than necessarily having to go through growing a plant and uh, uh, harvesting the plant and processing the plant. We go straight to the nutrient that you want, again, from greenhouse gases as a major starting point. And, uh, and we can industrialize that process. So instead of requiring, you know, thousands of hectares, uh, you know, uh, large fields and cattle, we compress that down onto an industrial site and produce the nutrient directly. Uh, now, we haven't done that yet, We're, but we have it in our uh, little bag of tricks as one of our next uh, pieces of work. 
it's fascinating. So, you know, we talk about sustainable future, climate crisis, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, all of this. Is there anything that your company won't be able to help tackle and, and maybe, you know, create a better future for all of us? Well, I think one of the things that's really appealed to me is, you know, we do have a challenge in the world. It's mostly driven by population. And we're just overwhelming Mother Nature effectively. So we have to find new ways of dealing with that. We think that we've done that. Uh, it's uh, it's quite amazing. I'm probably, I've been in the space of technology development for 45, 50 years. And I'm, I've never seen anything like this. It can be a true game changer. Um, you know, the real challenge we have is deciding what to do. That's uh, the how-to is, is now going to be a lot easier. And that's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate you sharing uh, the story of Sin Bioblocks. Thanks, John. Well, Sue and Andy, thanks very much. Really appreciate the chance to share it with everybody else. You bet. John McDougall, CEO of Sin Bioblocks. You can find out more online at synbioblox.com. Mornings with Sue and Andy. Talk on FM. QR Calgary. This is it. You know, when we talk about just transition, mm. how about just think outside the box, do things differently? People are brilliant. And do I understand exactly what he said? Absolutely Mm-mm. not. Nope. Uh, but, you know, the, the process... But he did, and that's what's important. <laughs> he did, he's the one in, in charge. He's the CEO. Yes. Uh, so companies like this, companies that are you know, trying things differently, finding solutions to the problems that have plagued us for so long, that are, to a large extent, involved with why we have... Such high carbon tax. Why it pays more to put gas in your car. Can we switch these things around? Can we turn a negative into yeah. a positive? And it sounds fantastic. Really interesting website too. Again, synbioblocks.com. They say on their website, finding ways to stimulate and support a more sustainable world. And we are on the cusp of something brilliant, they say. And wouldn't that be something if it's yes. a, you know, an Alberta-based company that ha- finds a way to turn things around? Fascinating. Here we go. Stampede just days away. In fact, what is it? Eight days from, well, seven days. We're talking sneak a peek. It can mean a lack of sleep, sometimes too much alcohol, etc. Does an event like the Calgary Stampede affect our mental health? With some help and some reminders, we are joined by our good friend, mental health advocate and social worker, Karen Gallagher-Burt. Good morning to you. Good morning. I wasn't sure if you're going to start with a Yahoo. Um, (laughs) We were talking about this on the program, Karen, in that every... Uh, every city, every region has their fair, their summer fair, their county fair. The Stampede is a little bit different, I think. What do you think? Is is Stampede a unique event as far as maybe some challenges that other uh, cities with their summer festivals don't face? You know, it's a unique event, period, for sure. And I mean, we have such a good reputation for Stampede. It's known all around the world. But I think historically and even now, there's been an association with it about behavior that's probably a little extreme. So I think alcohol, most of us drink alcohol on moderate ways, but Stampede becomes a 10-day excuse Mm -hmm. for folks to overindulge. It's true. It does. And things happen when you overindulge, right? You you lose control sometimes. You lose that lack of judgment or you lose the judgment to a lack of judgment. And and, and that can lead to... Uh, things that happening at the moment, but also afterwards. I th- I really find if I you know if I I like I love red wine. So if I drink too much red wine on a Saturday night, Sunday I don't feel good and I feel almost a bit depressed the next day. So imagine ten days of partying. What does that do to our mental health? Do you know I think it, everything is impacted uh, if you go in excess during Stampede. 
uh, even this, even the socializing, I know myself, I look at my calendar for those 10 days and I love going to events, but the exhaustion that comes in physically and mentally with that combined with the alcohol combined with the heat um, combined with the boots that hurt my feet, yeah. no matter how good they are from Lamley's, um, nice pump, nice push there. Exactly. Um, but, but it doesn't matter. Um, it, those things are an extreme and they're in abundance for 10 days. So it's sort of the idea of social drinking versus binge drinking. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a 10-day binge, which honestly, everything is impacted. You have to remember alcohol is considered a toxic and psychoactive substance. And it obviously has properties that will produce dependence. And so while I'm not going to say you're going to have a dependence problem after 10 days, if you do that on a regular basis and you do binging on weekends, as we frequently do, particularly when we're younger, um, those can have some long-term effects, obviously on your physical health, but also on your mental health. Because number one, um, you're going to have a decrease in your ability to manage day-to-day things. You think about when you hear someone's dependent they'll look for that first drink a little quicker than others might. Or you talked about the hangover symptoms. Well, folks that have been drinking for a long time heavily, they don't feel the hangover because they never stop. Right. So you get used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Um, The government of Canada sort of changed this last year, Mm -hmm. uh, the guidelines around alcohol drinking. And there used to be separate ones for women and men. And a lot of that had to do with um, body weight and and muscular uh, ability in your body. But what's interesting right now is that they've got it down that they don't recommend ever for anyone more than two drinks per day. And when you hit two standard drinks, and that depends on the substance, um, right at that point, you're starting to look at having some health consequences potentially. And then if you hit three to six each week, we're not talking daily, the risk of developing cancers like colon and breast cancer increase significantly. Well, Karen, here's the, we know some long-term Calgarians don't want anything to do with Stampede. They take that 10 days to get out of town. But what if you want to be taking part in Stampede, not sitting on the sidelines, but going in with a roadmap to do it sensibly and in a healthy manner? What can you suggest? You know, there's, there's probably three things. Number one is make a decision about how much you're going to drink and, and stick to it. Um, I, I, lo- I recommend folks consider apps out there. There's some really good apps that talk about um, what BAC is, your body alcohol content. And know what it is. Because for, for myself, weighing about 160 pounds, the max I can have and feel comfortable drinking is two. That's all I can have. Not to mention beyond two, you're not getting behind the wheel. Not to mention behind, no, like no, you're not definitely getting behind, not getting the, wheel, behind right? the wheels. You, you better not. Yeah. The other part of it is, is that, I mean, Stampede, one of the fun things about Stampede is there's always new drinks um, on the grounds, um, mm-hmm. you know, food with things like scorpions on them. But go for those lemonades. Make sure they, they have water refill stations on the grounds now, which is wonderful. So consider what that is and intersperse it. You know, if you're going to have a couple of beer, then make sure that you also stop after and have a couple of, gla- of waters, things like that. So f- pick some healthy choices. Incredible. Yeah, because we want to take part, but we want to do it sensibly. We got a great one here. Dave says, I get so much business done at Stampede, tons of events. I have a couple beers at lunch, then I switch to water, yep. and I make it home safely. Yeah, so Dave is my friend. It's, yeah. it's kind of the common sense approach, which maybe isn't so common for 10 days, and so we appreciate your time, Karen. Thank Always. you so much. Cheers. Happy Karen. Stampede. Yeah. yeah. Give us a Yahoo! Yahoo! Karen Gallagher-Burton, mental health advocate and social worker, works at the Distress Center. You can find out more at distresscenter.com.